Welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. The followers of Christ have had the impressive opportunity to visit with the risen Christ. They've had the opportunity to witness Him taken up in a cloud into heaven. And the question of the two angels that came is, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Why? Jesus has has ascended. He's been taken from you to heaven. Why are you standing here? Right? I mean, I will admit, here's my confession. I, too, have a tendency to stand in awe of the magnificent things that God is up to. Sometimes it's... uh, You know, it's you're reading soap and you're just like, wow, that was amazing. It's on your mind all day long, distracts you, you focus, and you may not do a whole lot, but you think a whole lot, right? Or maybe it happens when you're out and about. I know whenever I first started fly fishing, I'd go stand out in the river and uh, catching fish was fun, but standing in the river and just being out in creation, ah, beautiful just standing in the awe of God. Unfortunately, I think that many believers are like that, and we like to stay that way. It doesn't change the fact, watch this, that what we know, what we have seen, what we believe should motivate us to move. Are you with me? We believe in a God who sent his son to miraculously set people from, uh, free from their sin, to set them free from the guilt of their sin, to give them eternal life. And what do we do? We come and sing, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Does anybody else remember that song? That's a little song. That's fine on Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon. What are we still doing? I stand, I stand. And he's like, why do you stand here staring up into the sky? Do something. If you believe this is real, it should motivate you. What are we doing standing around? There is work to be done. Jesus has told us the fields are white unto harvest. They're ready. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived a sinless life. He performed miracles. He preached that the kingdom of heaven was was about to come or had come, and he died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. It is inappropriate. An inappropriate response to Christ would be standing around staring at heaven. An honorable response for believers would be to move, to pray, to share our faith with those that God places next to us every day. Uh, I'm going to derail for just a second. Sometimes in our spiritualness, we are praying that God will show us who to share our faith with. 
Oh, be careful because I'm fixing to zing you. People who are breathing, share faith with them. If they're not breathing, do CPR and then share faith if they start breathing. If they don't start breathing, you're off the hook. I'm just waiting for God to tell me who to share my faith with. I, I was, uh, Lisa and I actually were kind of talking about this this last week because she was starting this series, and I'm excited about what she's teaching on Wednesday night. By the way, uh, the reason, part of the reason I was talking to her about it is because I wanted to invite all the adults to come to her thing on Wednesday night because it's about sharing your faith. Part of my frustration with teaching people to share their faith is that at no time do you... I'm, I am so lost from my notes right now, so I'm just telling you this is extra and we're going long. I have, so people will come to me and say, Brent, how do I share my faith? And, and I, I have struggled at teaching people to share their faith because of this. You guys know that I love food, and you know that I love to fish. I love to go fishing. At no point do you have to explain to a man how to share his passion for fishing, hunting, football, basketball, his job, you understand where I'm going with this, don't you? You talk about what you're excited about. If you want to share your faith, do your soap. Read about what God is doing in your life. Get excited about what God is doing. You'll talk about it. You'll talk about your faith. You'll talk about your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, and other people will hear it, and you did it. The problem is we're waiting for God to tell us which person to share our faith with, and we're waiting for Pastor Brent to tell us how to share our faith. It's not going to happen. Have a relationship with God, let it exude out of your pores, and the people around you will, will see and hear your faith. There it is, that gum, I can't sell that, it's too short, but it's that simple. We move, we pray, we share our faith with whoever God places in our life. Maybe we need less talk about what we could do and more doing what we are called to do. I do think that Christianity has become a place where we talk about God, not, where we're, what we, not a place where we do what God has called us to do. Are you with me? All right. We're on to point two. You have another chance to fill in a couple of blanks here. The, the, I'm going to give them both to you at the same time. I know that that's very exciting. Uh, it is believers on the move often attend and invite others to church. And then we're headed for Hebrews 10. Believers on the move, they often attend and invite others to the church, to church. Now, I'm going to preface this by if you've been around me very much at all, you know I am not legalistic about coming to church. If you need to miss church, I don't think you're going to hell because you miss church. Now, if you miss church multiple weeks, I think that it makes you a weaker believer. It's kind of like doing soap. Do you have to do soap every day to keep your salvation? No, but it makes your salvation a lot better. Do you have to come to church every single time the doors are open? Whenever I was a kid, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night services and a whole bunch of services in between, and dadgum, we were there every single time. Yeah. But if we... I'll, so, boy, my poor mom today... Every once in a while, we would stay home from church. By the way, we lived in the parsonage next door to the church. So it's kind of tricky to stay home from church when you live next to the church. <laughs> my mom would tell my dad, the family is sick and tired. And so we're staying home. 
And we would stay home and play cards, or we would we'd take a break. Just take a break. Anything wrong with that? No. You can tease my mom about it afterwards. I probably shouldn't have given her a hard time. There's nothing legalistic about this, but there's strength in being in fellowship with church people on a regular basis. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, I actually already summarized this whole point, so now I messed it up. Here we go. He says, let us think of ways, let us, it's very inclusive, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's pretty good. Let us think of ways to motivate, get one another moving, to acts of love and good works. And verse 25, he says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his what? Return is drawing near. Didn't we just read the angels came and they told the disciples who were standing there looking up into heaven, they said, hey, he's going to come back just like he left. His return is coming. Hello. Several principles are found in this text. If you care about people, if you care about people at all, you will make attending church a habit. A habit. If you care about people, and here's why, it is out of concern for others that you, did you get that? It is out of concern for others. That's the motivation. Out of concern for others, you will think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's get together and figure out how we can do some good things, how we can love some people. Let's do that. Let's bless some people. Why? Because we are concerned about them. We love them, and we want them to go to heaven with us. Out of concern for others, you will not neglect meeting together. Out of concern for others, you will be at church so that you are available to, as the scripture says, encourage others. <laughs> I know that's funny, huh? Because you thought you came to church to get encouraged. And then the scripture says that you come to be an encouragement to others. Just totally messed up your Christianity, didn't I? What? I thought we came to get, not to give. I know. This is why we do soap, so that there's not surprises on Sunday morning. You read it during the week. You know what this is about. When you neglect our meeting together, That is not healthy for you, and it's not healthy for the rest of the church. Watch this. We, the church, did you catch that? When you fail to come together within the body of Christ, it's not healthy for you, and it's not healthy for the rest of the church. See, I know some of you uh, think that, well, if I stay home, it doesn't affect anybody else. Yes, it does. We, the church, We are healthiest, we are strongest when we worship together, when we pray together. This morning we're singing Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, and and Thomas just lets the voices, lets the congregation carry it, and you hear the body of Christ singing, My Chains Are Gone, I've Been Set Free, 
I'm telling you by experience. You can come in here by yourself and sing it's not, not near as cool. It's cool, but it's not near as cool. When the body of Christ, one voice, worships God, it only happens as we are together. Are you with me? We worship together, we pray together, we learn together, we grow together. Each person is bringing their God-given gift. Each person brings a word of encouragement from their week, from their soap. Each person sharing what God is doing in them and through them. It's encouraging, but we all need to be together for that to happen. Are you with me? He goes on, he says, The day of his return is drawing near. If we really believe that Christ is coming again, see, we've kind of, we, even our old songs, songs from 40 years ago. Lots of songs about Jesus is coming back, and we, we were celebrating the return of Christ. It's less there now. It's still there. We see it in songs, but it's less there. So if, if as Christendom lives out their lives, like, yeah, Jesus is going to come one of these days. He's going to come back in a cloud, I think is what it says. I don't know when. I don't know what. But, yeah, there's something about that. I'm just trying to, you know, serve God so that he'll bless me so I can pay my rent and buy a bigger house. If we do not have the motivation, the anxiety of Jesus is coming back for real, then it's kind of like, I can share my faith with somebody. My dad would say, mañana or the day after. I'm not sure what that means either, but that's what he said. Mañana or the day after. Right? I don't need to share my faith today. I don't need to be worried about the salvation of my neighbor or the person that's standing in the grocery line with me because I'll see them another time. Jesus, we used to sing, he's coming soon. Ah, soon's relative. We've been waiting for 2,000 years. No need to get all wound up about it. If we really believe that Christ is coming again, then it's even more critical that we work through and in the body of Christ. That's the truth. You don't do evangelism all by yourself. I wrote that, and then I thought about it, and I do believe that. I'm not just saying that. We have taught one-on-one evangelism, but I'm not sure that God intended evangelism to be one-on-one. Here's why. Each person lets their little light shine in a community with the rest of the body of believers. Are you with me? You're one light in the body of believers. Then the church is like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. If you take your little candle and you go stand up on the hill, nobody sees you. But whenever the body of Christ lets their individual light shine and we bring them together, now we're shining a light that the world can see. Jesus is lifted up and people put their faith in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like whenever we did our Christmas Eve service. You're here for the Christmas Eve service? Fantastic service. Loved it. Enjoyed it. At the end, we sang Silent Night, handed out candles to everybody, turned all the lights off, and you know what? Because there's a whole bunch of candles lit, it's bright in the room. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. 
If we had just lit one candle, does it light up the whole room? No, it's pretty, pretty ineffective. Imagine this. Imagine this. We have Christmas Eve service. I'm off my notes again, if you're wondering. We have Christmas Eve service, and all that happens is you come, the lights go dim, Thomas stands in the middle of the room with one little candle, and he sings Silent Night. Now, I'm not saying it would be good. It would be good. But it would be pretty non-dramatic, right? It says everybody has a light, and everybody sings Everybody shares their faith. Everybody lives for the glory and the honor of God the Father. Then the church is a force to be reckoned with, a force that that people see that they can put their faith in, they can put their hope in God the Father. That's good. The church is not going to do a greater work when each believer works independent of other believers. God has ordained the church, and I believe this with all of my heart. I'm a champion of the church. God has ordained the church. That's all of us together. And then he promised that through the church... In Ephesians, he says, I think it's chapter 2, he says he would do more than we could ask or imagine. We often take that verse, I want to say it's Ephesians 2, 20 or 22. We take that little verse out that God's going to do with me more than I could ever ask or imagine. That's not true. The whole passage is about the church and what God is doing through the church together We can do a greater work. Independently, we just squeak. And it's annoying. Church attendance is like any other discipline. I'm shifting gears. Church attendance is like any other discipline. The less often you do it, the more difficult it is, and the more it hurts. Right? The more you do, the more you see results, the results of it. Back in the summer, Diane and I, we started uh, walking Uh, we were walking. This is a true story. I'm not exaggerating. I know sometimes pastors get all evangelistic. Stretch the truth, right? Evangelistic. 2.8 miles. We were going two or three times a week. We'd go walk 2.8 miles, and it was great trail, and it was wonderful. And at first, I was exhausted, and it took about an hour of my day for us to go to where we were going to walk. And then we'd go walk, and, and it would take an hour. My time is precious. Netflix isn't going to watch itself. (laughs) Somebody's got to turn it on and sit down and be a slug. And so this walking is interrupting my whole agenda. And, you know, I'm tired of going. It's taking my time. And then I know I'm a typical guy in the sense that I go go walk or I go work out. And I come home and I stand in front of the mirror. And I got to tell you, walking 2.8 miles did nothing for my physique. So now this is a total waste. <laughs> but, but as time went on, uh, we, well, what happened is that it got cold and we stopped walking because don't want to go walk in the cold. 
I began to feel sluggish. I mean, I felt my body get sluggish. I was sleepy all day long. I would tell Diane at 12.30, right after lunch, I'm like, I'm ready for a nap. And usually that hits about 2.30 or 3. But by 12.30, I'm just, Thomas, we got to go get coffee or something, man. Can't stay awake. My neck and my shoulders hurt more when we stopped walking. I generally felt terrible when we stopped exercising. One workout doesn't change your life. But you do see the cumulative effects of working out over time. See, we worked out for like two months. That's why I look so good today, right? <laughs> see, I can see myself back there in the glass. Y'all are missing out. Like, this, this doesn't come by jogging. Um, this is a Netflix tummy. <laughs> Boy, we're off track. One workout doesn't change your life or your body, evidently. It's the same with spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading God's Word. People will come to me and say, Brent, I did soap for a week and I don't see anything. I'm like, well, I worked out for a week, dude. <laughs> Stay after it. Spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading your Bible, being in fellowship with other believers in worship, just like last week. Uh, pardon me, all of this works together, cumulative effect to make you spiritually stronger. Just this last week, somebody commented to me very in passing that they'd come to Desert Heights for the first time and they were like, yeah, that was fine. I'm kidding. Your first time, yeah, it's, you, never, you never know what's going to happen here on Sunday morning. Brent may just be off of his notes totally, who knows? But anyway, this person said they came once, but that was fine. Then they came the second time, the third time, and they begin to see how that being with a healthy body of Christ followers is beneficial to your spiritual well-being. God did that, church. There's no such thing as, as a believer being outside of the body of Christ. When we are saved, we are born by the Spirit into the body, the church body of Christ. Man, that's good. So, with this invite your one service on January 27th, I'm not asking you to invite 53,000 people who need to know Jesus, who need a church home to come to church with you. I'm asking you to successfully invite one person. Invite one. A greater work begins with one. Someone who is lost, someone who is unchurched, someone who is detached from church. That happens a lot. I've told you before, and I want to remind you, 80% of people are receptive. 80% of unchurched people are receptive to an invitation to church if we will just reach out to them. Too often, someone is standing next to us wanting to be invited to our church, wanting to have the faith that we have, wanting to have the hope that we have. But we're standing, staring into heaven, thinking about how God has made us holy, and we can't stop long enough to care for the person next to us who desperately needs an invitation to church. Invite them to church. 
Share your soap with them. Some of the most effective evangelism that we've seen in the last five years has been people, they read their Bible, they get excited about it, and they tell a coworker about it. They're not, they're not telling their coworker for the sake of getting them to church. It's not the, that's not the point. They're just sharing, hey, I read about this in my Bible today, and this is exciting, and this is what's going on in my life. I just want you to know because I'm excited about it. And that person is drawn to Christ Jesus. Bring them to a life group. Bring them to one of the classes on Wednesday nights. Whatever, just engage in other people's lives. When they do come to church, at the very least, after service is over, and they've had a chance to go get some Mexican food. Mm, hallelujah. <laughs> Take the time to at least call them or text them. See if they have any questions. Sometimes people come to church and they're like, why does your pastor do fill in the blank? So they need somebody who's nice to say, well, he's very A-D-D-D-D-D. <laughs> or he's very excited. We're not sure which one. They may have questions. Answer their questions. You can take them to lunch after church. Be nice to them. Let us get together and encourage one another and motivate one another to do some good things, like invite people to church, take them to lunch. We're going to pray together. Uh, when you got your bulletin this morning, hopefully you got this Invite Your One Prayer Guide. Um, it has a whole list of things to pray about. That is on your own time. Uh, we're all focusing our prayer on that list of things. There may be other things that you think of that you want to pray about. Write them down on there. I do not mind. But right now, we are going to pray for one another. We're going to pray for the body of Christ, this body of Christ. So I need you all to stand, and I'm going to make you very uncomfortable, but this is we're all family, right? And you all used dial this morning, so... That's the other kind of soap. I want you to squish to the middle. I want everybody to grab the hand of the person next to them. However far you have to move, you're going to move. We're going to pray together. I want you to grab somebody's hand. You are not in this on your own. We are in this as the body of Christ, one body of Christ. We are going to pray for one another as we boldly share our faith with other people, as we go out and do the work of ministry, whatever that is in your life. But we're going to pray that God makes you and the people on either side of you effective in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the greater work that you're doing in and through Desert Heights Church. Lord, I pray that as we focus our attention upon the Great Commission, I pray that you will put it in us to move. Don't let us just stand and admire the work that you're doing in our lives. Let us take that work out and use it to effectively minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, your grace, your love, and your hope to those who need it. Father, I pray for all of us that in the next few weeks, attending church and being with the body of believers will be a priority in our hearts and our lives and also inviting other people to come to church with us. Lord, put it in our hearts. Make it something we desire, something we look forward to, something we enjoy, something we see the benefits of in our daily walk with you. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit that empowers us 
to boldly witness that every one of us will be able to invite at least one person to come to church with us either on or before January 27th. God, I believe with all of my heart that if we ask these things in your name, you are faithful to do them. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus, give us boldness to invite people to church. Give us boldness to share the faith we have with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. We would like to invite you to come be a part of Desert Heights Church. Service is every Sunday morning at 1030. You'll find us at 1835 East Main, next to Arby's, here in Farmington, and on the internet at desertheightschurch.com.